Hello, everybody. How are you doing? Listen, today's conversation is going to be something that I believe is going to be a life changing conversation. Um, one of the things that I'm looking at and talking about today is, is something that a lot of people struggle with. Surely when we're talking about men, a lot of men struggle with this context, dealing with pornography. Did you know that 70% of men in the age range of 18 to 24 visit a porn site at least once a month? Did you know that the large consumer of online pornography, surely for men, is from the ages of 35 to 49? Now, Granted, I fall in that bracket as well, um, but it's a lot of people that are impacted by this. So you want to be a part of this conversation because I know that it's going to help not only me, because I want to always be learning, making sure that I'm developing and growing myself. But for those that are struggling with this, you're able to get the help that you need right through this conversation. So if you're ready to jump in, let's go. I remember when I was first looking at starting my podcast, one of the things that I was looking for was a cost efficient place that I can be able to do what I was dreaming and doing. With Anchor, I found that. I found a free platform that can be able to give me the tools to make sure that my podcast sound good from edits to music to different other things, variety of things that can be able to assist me to make sure that I had a professional sound podcast. But then also one of the things I found that I loved uh, when I started to use Anchor was they have various of different places that they are able to distribute my podcast from professional places like Spotify or Apple Podcasts and many, many more. Now, with this, the thing that I'm I love to do is because I might not do it in my house or I might need to do it in my car. So I'm able to use record on my cell phone. I'm able to record on my tablet or even my computer. So for you to be able to do this as the podcaster, you need to make sure that you download the app to your phone, to your tablet. You can do it on an Android or on an Apple product. But also, if you want to be able to access it on your computer, you have to go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, anchor is A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M. Welcome to the team. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Focus on Greatness podcast. My name is Hiram, and on this platform, we highlight ways where men can be able to be able to find and see their greatness within their everyday lives. And today, again, is like no other, is one of those days where we're going to highlight something that I believe is going to help us to get and achieve the greatness in our lives. Today, I have a guest with me that is going to be extraordinary, and I believe that he's going to give us some tools, some nuggets, some insights on how to be the best us. Uh, surely when you're talking about, you know, uh, dealing with pornography, struggling with these things, sometimes we don't understand one, probably how we got into this bubble, but also the main piece is we don't know how we can get out. And so through this conversation today, we want to be able to grab those tools so we can not only get what we need to figure out, okay, this is where I'm at, but how do I get out? 
and how can I live the way that I want to live in the greatness going forward? So do me a favor, put your hands together for the one and the only Sathya. How you doing, sir? Hiram, nice to be here, man. Good to have you on, sir. Do me a favor um, for the audience. Make sure do you introduce yourself to the people. Um, let them know a little bit about you and we'll go into the conversation. For sure. Well, hi, everybody. It's so good to be here. My name is Sathya Sam. I'm a coach and a motivational speaker that specifically focuses on helping men overcome pornography addiction. So uh, not exactly the most common work in the world, um, but uh, an important one as we're gonna find out. And uh, Hiram, I love that you did your research, man. Uh, those are some really powerful stats. And uh, it's really clear that there's, there's a need for work like this. So that's what I do. I've developed a, a methodology um, that's based on science and scripture and my own story as well. I'm a recovered addict. I'm, I'm not just educated on it, but I had a personal experience I've been free for about five plus years now, and I really believe that I'm not extraordinary. I think everybody can experience freedom, male or female. Uh, they just need the right principles, uh, the right tools, and ultimately the right guidance along the way to help them get there, and that's my mission. That's what I'm, I'm here to do, and I'm really excited to be on this podcast and to talk a little bit more about it. Well, I'm glad that you chose to be able to come on um, and be able to share not only your story, but again, some things and some tools of ways that people can be able to get the help that they need. And so um, what I want to do is I want to start from the beginning. Um, allow us to be able to know a little bit in reference to how did we get from the struggle to kind of like where we are today um, and some things and some, you know, some things that you have learned throughout this process of being able to be now a person on the other side of now helping uh, people. And so, you know, let's start from there. Yeah, so I I grew up in a, a really solid Christian home. My dad was a pastor. Mm. Uh, mom was was a stay at home, and you know had a really good life. Uh, my parents even forked out the money to send us to a private Christian school. So we really grew up in a very uh, strong spiritual environment. Okay. Um, but it goes to show you that you know as much you can do everything you want, and and in this day and age, it's still hard to not get exposed to pornography. So my my first exposure happened at the age of 11 in the computer mm. lab of my Christian school. And it was completely by accident. Uh, but when it happened, it was it was quite a shock. And anybody who's had a struggle knows the first time is never the last. And that was the case for me. Um, it evolved into a, a regular pattern, a regular behavior. I wouldn't say it was a full-blown addiction until I got into university. And in university, I studied really hard. And that was how I took stress off at the end of the day uh it was Ooh. porn and masturbation it was my go-to and wow. that's when i realized I, I really had a problem and around the same time in my university uh days is when i found god you know i i grew up christian but uh somewhere along the way the bat the baton has to get passed from parent to child yeah. and that happened during my time at university and when i gave my life to jesus it it was abundantly clear that i had to clean up a few things in my life i had to clean up my language I had to uh, not drink, or if I was going to drink, do it more responsibility, uh, more mm -hmm. responsibly than how I was doing it before. Mm -hmm. And then I had to get rid of pornography. And the first two was no problem, easy adjustments. I couldn't for the life of me shake pornography. Mm. And when I started to look to get help, there was nothing out there. There were no resources. Nobody was talking about it. And when I did find resources, it was typically install an internet filter and get an accountability partner. So <laughs> since that's what everybody else was doing, that's what I did too. You know, I, I just figured this must be the thing. And then I realized that um, 
uh, most of my accountability struggle, pardon me, most of my accountability partners were struggling just as much as I was. Wow. And my internet filter was just as easy to uninstall as it was to install. <laughs> and so I had, I had these devices that kind of felt good. Like I was doing what everybody else was doing, but they weren't actually doing anything. And, um, it was really frustrating and I figured there's got to be more to it than this, but really had no idea. So I, I went on a journey studying scriptures, uh, doing uh, getting some more education and really digging into the sciences and researching it and trying to figure out how do you actually make some progress here for like long-term change. You know, I could go a couple days, a couple weeks, sometimes I even went a few months without looking at porn, mm. but something would always hook me back in and I, I didn't understand what was going on. And along the way, I, I ran into some great mentors who really helped me. Uh, they showed me that actually porn is really just a surface level issue. You've got to deal with what's going on underneath the surface for any kind of long-term change. And I started to develop uh, my own tactics, uh, my own strategies, and kind of nick them off other people. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I really started to real like realize, oh, this is how you actually get long-term change in your life. It could be actually just about any area. Uh, but specifically for me, I was on a mission to get free of porn. And the yeah. main reason was because uh, I was so infuriated by the lack of resources. And so mm -hmm. I told myself, like, one day I'm going to get free and I'm going to set as many other men free as well um, mm -hmm. because th this, is, this cannot go on this way. Like, something has to give. So that was my MO. And February 2016 was the last time I looked at porn. I've been free wow. for five years now, uh, over five years. And uh, about three years into this is when I felt like God gave me the release to, to launch Deep Clean and uh, that's what I do now. I, I use my my system and my approach to help as many guys as possible get free of pornography. Well, I one I want to say um, I'm glad that you said a lot of what you said. So I'm like, I'm gonna hit some pieces in there, but I'm yes. glad that you said a lot of it. One, I'm glad that your intro was that you were raised in a Christian home, um, but still had this struggle. And um, and and where you received the struggle was still also in a Christian environment. So, yeah, um, you know, I think sometimes, you know, even with that, we it's more difficult sometimes, surely when you are a believer where you have this thing, this fight within you is like, how can I be struggling with this and be in this, you know, have this relationship with God, but still got this deep struggle on this end. Surely when you're talking about the context of, you know, pornography, masturbation. But I think one of the things that you said was a real key for me, which was surely when you went off to college, it became more of the stress reliever for you. Yes. Uh, you know, and so I think that's a, what a lot of men deal with. I know even uh, kind of doing my my research a little bit, I was looking at the dot, the top days of the week um, as well as the top day of the year. When it's these stress, isn't it? Yeah, it's it, it, it blew my mind when I, I was like, wait a minute. Sunday is the top of the week um, yep. in reference to pornography consumption. Uh, when for us, it's like, that's the day we rejoice and that's the day of peace and joy, you know, and all of yeah. those pieces. Uh, but then you're talking about the top of the year is Thanksgiving, the day yeah. which you're spending most of your time with family and all of these things. So, um, but being able to see that you were able to find some tools um, and some people to gather and help around you to build you enough to get you to this place where you are now, where now you're able to help men be able to get over this struggle. I have heard the context, like you stated, 
of the, you know, having the filter on your 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 computer. Um, I've heard about the the context of having like an accountability partner. Um, you know, I do know some some gentlemen that they were struggling with it. So they did the I think it's a piece on that. So I think one of the softwares where you can have your friend is is watching every move that you make online and you know and all yeah yeah they get the email list afterwards yeah you know like you know but it's all of those things are good but um just like you said i can delete it just as just as just as easy as i installed it and so it's really not a long-term I guess in some sense it can't be, it's not a long-term effect. And so I'm glad yeah. in this aspect that, that God allowed you to be able to go through it. So then now you're able to help give men the type of help that they need. Um, automatically I'm thinking about where it talks about, you know, you, you who are spiritual go restore um, those that are, those that are low and those that are down. And so I'm thinking about that context when it comes to reference to what you are doing right now for men, that now yeah. God has been able to strengthen you enough to now you can go and restore men and get them to their place that they need to be. So let's let's let, let's kind of dive more into this context. If I am a man that is struggling with pornography, what things do I need to be doing? What what practical steps, I guess, or pieces I need to be putting in place up front for this process of, of recovery or deliverance to be able to happen for me? Yeah, it's a great question. I, I would say there's two main things you need to do. Number one is you have to be willing to not just acknowledge the struggle, you got to be willing to own it. Um, it's likely that there were some set of circumstances, there were people along the way that contributed to this issue in your life. Mm. But at the end of the day, it's not their issue, it's yours. Yeah. So uh, it was really easy for me to blame the guy who told me to go to this The website, the first website I ever saw in, in the computer lab it was whitehouse.com. It was just like a random website, you know? Um, right. And uh, and it would be easy to blame that guy, you know, or to blame yeah. whoever else. But until I took ownership of it, really, I, I was shooting myself in the foot. As long as you're deflecting the responsibility, you're going to stay stuck. So number one, you got to own it. You, you have to own every single part of it. And the reason you have to do that is because if you're not part of the problem, you can't be part of the solution. Mm. But the minute you take ownership... The minute you assume responsibility, you're now empowered to actually do something about the situation and bring effective change. And when you reach that place, the second thing that you have to do is you have to understand that all behavior is rooted in belief. All behavior is rooted in belief. And commonly, what we will do is we address behavioral issues with behavioral solutions. Oh, you're struggling with pornography? No problem. Slap an internet filter on your computer. We try to curb the behavior Right. When in reality, if you deal with the underlying beliefs, then the behavior takes care of itself. So if you're struggling with pornography, it is because there's something going on in your heart that is driving you to that place. And until that issue is resolved or remedied, you will continue to struggle. You can white knuckle it through for a couple of weeks, a couple of months, maybe even a year or two, mm -hmm. but eventually you'll find yourself struggling again until you resolve those underlying root issues. So th those would be the two things to start with. Now, when we talk about in reference to, um, the, surely for the first one, I do understand that, you know, 
we do, we can go, surely when you're talking about any form of struggle, we go through the blame game. We blame yeah. every single person for where we are, why we're struggling with what we're struggling with. Um, but again, that doesn't change anything. That doesn't fix the problem for us. Um, but when you're talking about this context of the belief piece, is it that we are, the thing that we have to change is that we believe what we're doing is the only way it can fix the stress problem or the anxiety or whatever that is. Is that what we're having to shift when we're talking about belief? Yeah, good question. I, maybe I can broaden it a little bit and say that uh, the external is anchored in the internal. So when we're talking about belief, it's really, it's a nod to anything that takes place internally. It's the desires. Yes, mm. it's the thinking patterns. Um, it might be even parts of your past that have contributed the way you see yourself or see others. So let me give you a really uh, classic example. Guy struggles with pornography, uh, feels ashamed of it, condemns himself. I'm, I'm such a pervert. Uh, what, what is wrong with me? Why am I doing this? Well, as long as you believe you're a pervert, you will look at pornography by faith because mm. that's what perverts do. So if, wow. if, that's your, if that's your identity statement, if that's the thing you believe in, you have set the lid. And you, you cannot escape it. So you, you have to do some reformation here of your identity and your belief system to start seeing yourself the way mm, God does. Mm, mm, mm. And as those things start to align, I mean, once you believe that you're a son, you know, you're unconditionally loved and accepted the way you are, that's going to do some things to your behavior. Yeah. And again, it's not, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, it's mm -hmm. not just about getting a motivational speech. We're talking about like deep work here to actually forge roots and, and to really believe the truth about you. But as you start to shift those things, uh, that's when you're going to really notice a change. Let me give you another example. Um, really pornography, the way I, I shift or the way I explain pornography is that it is fake intimacy. Pornography is fake intimacy. And I believe that, that every man has four main needs. Uh, we have essential needs like food, shelter, water. Mm -hmm. We have a need for significance. Uh, we have a need for intimacy and we have a need, I'm forgetting, I'm forgetting the fourth one. It'll come back to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but the point I wanted to make is that intimacy is the need of all needs. Mm -hmm. we're, we're all wired for intimacy. Yeah. And the thing about these four needs is they are non-negotiable. It's not like, well, if it doesn't get met, it's okay. It's fine. You move on with your life. No, right. no, no. It will get met, period. It's just a question of how. And most of us are getting our need for intimacy met through pornography, and that is a solution, but it's temporary because it's yeah. fake intimacy. It leaves right. you wanting more and feeling worse afterwards. So part of part of our responsibility in owning this, this issue and in actually doing something about it from an internal perspective is learning to get that need for intimacy met in a healthy way. Okay. It's just simply rewiring some of your patterns there and finding healthier options because that need will get met. We just want to see if there's a better option than pornography. We know there's a better option. It's just a matter yeah. of figuring out what that is for you. Yeah. So that's what I mean when I'm talking about addressing the underlying root issues. It's really trying to get to the heart of the issue instead of settling for fluffier solutions like an internet filter or that kind of thing. Yeah. Now, let me ask this because... When you when surely when you're and I know you know this when we're talking about men in general, you know, uh, sometimes we can say, OK, well, he must be talking about men that are not married. He must be only talking about single men or, you know, they, 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 you know, I understand why they're struggling with porn or dealing with this. Yeah, they need to overcome it. But for yeah. the person that's married, that's still struggling with it, 
Um, yeah. what, what type of wisdom or insight? Is it the same that we're giving him that type of individual or is we, are we dealing with it in a different type of way? Great question. Let me just start by saying, um, the most common, well, not the most common, but one of the common situations for guys who come to me looking mm -hmm. for help is they've just had a kid and they can't wow. handle, they can't handle the adjustment. There's, there's yeah. something about the adjustment. Um, obviously like those first six weeks or so, uh, he and his wife can't be intimate and he, he is just left at a loss and he's scrambling. So I've had guys who are like, you know, when I was married, I had this thing under control, but mm -hmm. as soon as I had a kid, it's like my world got turned upside down. So, right. um, you know, uh, one of my mentors taught me early that marriage is a magnifier. A lot of people think that marriage will solve your problems. No, it won't. It'll just make a spectacle of them. Yes. <laughs> and you're, you're laughing because you know that, right? Yes, sir. And, yes, sir. And, uh, and so anyways, um, all, all is to say is that, yeah, these problems follow us into our marriage. They follow us into our fatherhood and our fatherhood rather and everything else. Mm -hmm. um, I guess what I would say is, you know, if you're in that position where you're struggling, um, the stakes are higher uh, because you now have a covenant and you have a responsibility as a father. And so it's it's all the more reason to get the help. And help, it, I would say it looks the same. Those principles I mentioned before, they stand. They stand the test of time. That's the beauty of a principle. The expression of them may look different in a marriage context or in a fatherhood context. Um, but really, it boils down to the individual. Those, those other parts of you, your relationships and your, your work environment and everything else, those are more external factors. And yeah, they're going to play a role a little bit in what the solution looks like. But for the most part, we're dealing with the heart of the man. And that is um, that is true whether you're in a relationship, whether you have kids or not. Right. So just for those that are listening um, in a part of this conversation, I think it's very wonderful to be able to hear that literally no matter which category you fall in, if you are a married man, if you're a single man, um, you are all, we all have the ability, I'll say it that way, to be able to struggle with this just because you are married does not fix the problem. Um, it might hide it for a season. Um, you know, like you said, you might, it might, you might can be able to, you know, rough it out for a year, you know, or so, but there is going to come a moment where if you, because you never dealt with the issue, it will arise back up again. Um, so in this conversation, one of the things that we're, I'm trying to make sure that we're focusing on is, is not per se, just the aspect of, are you struggling? Every we have this struggle. It is a struggle. Even again, statistics show us it's a struggle. Our normal life day shows us that it's a struggle. Um, yeah. But the reality is, is this is how we want to be able to get the help that we need. Um, so one of the things for me, like I live in um, um, in a very mil in a large military area. Um, so you deal with a lot of different people that's in the military. I, and I remember uh, years back, I remember this gentleman had asked me, he was like, hey, um, I'm trying to, you know, hey, I'm about to go overseas. I'm going to be overseas for a while. And so I want to see, is it still OK? Will it be OK for me to do it while I'm overseas? And then when at least when I come back, I'll be OK and I won't do anything yeah. else extra. And, you know, those type of things, um, you know. For me, my my answer, just for the sake of saying, my answer was no. I don't think that that's a wise decision. Um, but but you have these moments. Surely, with surely we're talking about the military context, 
where you have distance, where the spouses are distant, they're separated for a long period of time, um, yeah. you know, and then they don't have they, they now pick up these habits that now they bring into or bring back into their home. And so what I want to ask you is through the time that you've been able to help, you're helping men and helping people to get over this struggle. Have you been able to see where one moment literally shifts their whole marriage? One moment or what this one decision to open this door, um, you know, just really can take someone down a spiral and really start re ending relationships or ruin the relationships. Have you seen that happen because of this door? Yeah. So you're uh, just to clarify, you're asking, like, have you seen where it's it's one moment or one decision that kind of unravels their life, so to yeah. speak? Yeah. 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 I mean, that's what I see every day. Uh, that's why people come to me is because their their lives are in shambles or or they're going to be in shambles if they don't do something. Right. Right. Yeah. So um, let me give you an example. Uh, I got a guy who. Um, who has been married for a couple of years, got married young. You know, he and his wife bought a house together. Uh, they even, they actually have a couple properties together mm. and the wife comes home one day and just says, I don't know if I'm still into guys and I mm. don't think I want to be in this marriage anymore. Just like that. You know, like they sure they had their squabbles and stuff, but it was nothing major, <laughs> right. Um, right. but she's, she's changed her mind and Ooh. he goes, Oh, like what, you know, like, is there anything I can do? Um, and in their conversations, pornography comes up. So the struggle with porn. Um, and so, of course, then, you know, that's, that's how he wound up at my doorstep. And, and that's what right. we're working through now. Yeah. Um, but that's a great example of, I guess, I, sorry, I'm not answering it directly, but um, it's, yeah. a good, it's a good example of where sometimes when you get away with a problem, you think that you've avoided the consequences when in reality, they're just collecting interest. Yeah. And, and so that was, that was the case for him. He knew it was a problem and he thought, well, you know, she's forgiven me. It's fine. Like we still have a good marriage. We're still good. Our ducks are in a row. And then one day everything kind of explodes on him. Now I should clarify, pornography was not the only issue. She was obviously working through some identity stuff herself, yeah. mm -hmm. but nonetheless, it, it does go to show you that these things can really catch up to you. Um, I, I have a whole handful of guys just in the last six weeks to eight weeks that have come in um, on the heels of divorce or going through the divorce process. And in all of them, in all these divorce conversations, yes, there's a bunch of issues, but pornography is top of the list of, I really thought that this would be dealt with by now, or um, I don't feel valued when you look at pornography, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know that it's necessarily, I watched porn and all of a sudden everything unraveled like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's more like I watched porn and I thought I could get away with it. And then all of a sudden everything blew up in my face uh, without me even realizing it. Yeah. So um, that's why my message is always, um, we always try to get as preventative as possible. Like mm -hmm. I said, a lot of the guys I work with are, it's, they're more on the responsive side and that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. uh, but if you are listening to this podcast and you feel like, Hey, maybe um, I'm doing okay. Cause I don't, I don't have things nearly that bad or I don't have this problem at all. Continue to be proactive um, because the more preventative you are about it, uh, the better off you're going to be in your marriage and uh, your family and in your overall well-being. Yeah. Well, one of the, and one of the reasons why I asked that question um, and for those that are listening, you can you will understand this more is because, yeah, like the story that you just shared is not the only thing, but it is a major thing. Yes. And and it's 
it's not just the aspect of just the context of the pornography. Surely as a married man, for you to do this, you have to hide and you open up the door of everything being hid. You're, you're, you're yeah. hiding one thing, then it becomes another thing that you have to hide. And that, that whole thing becomes more and more things that you're hiding. And one day, like you stated, one day it will be all exposed. That's just how that context works. So yeah. if you are listening and you say, well, this is a struggle that no one knows that I have. My wife doesn't know that I have it. My kids don't know that I got it. My friends, I've been able to hide it all these years. What I would suggest is get the help that you need now. Yeah. Um, don't allow it to be the thing that that then explodes and then now it's you're trying to explain it to your children why you're struggling with this. You you know, surely for me, I have two boys. Um, you know, I have two sons and they're my oldest is 9, my youngest is 7 at this point and um and as they're growing, I know that they are being open to more conversations. Uh, surely in school, you know, uh, they're being open to more conversations. They're finding out more things. They're they're now growing within them own selves. So now they're they're like, you know, they're, they're deeply into loving the girl context and all of those, you know, all of those pieces that <laughs> that come with life. Of course. But when it comes to this part of it, just like I know any other father would be is I don't want them to struggle like I had to struggle. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's. But if I'm in a position where I'm still struggling now and I'm hiding it and I'm keeping it a secret, um, I have just in, you know, you could probably uh, also attest to this, but I have seen where in those scenarios, then you're trying to understand why is my son now struggling with the very mm -hmm. same thing? Why has this, yeah. why is he now dabbling and dibbling, you know, in the same type of thing is because no, you've opened the door of hiding. And now this struggle is still, you haven't overcome it. Um, and so now because you haven't overcome it or you haven't now not been able to defeat this thing, now it's visiting your next generation. And so that's really why one of the things for me, again, is why I said, oh, no, I have to have I have to have this gentleman on because it's too many men that not only are just struggling, period, but it's too many men that are struggling and hiding um, mm. and need the real help. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the scariest part about this, you know, because it's a lot safer or it's seemingly safer to stay hidden because you don't mm -hmm. have to face the consequences when you're married. You don't know how your wife's going to respond. Right. Uh, if your kids find out, you don't know what they're going to think of their father. Like we're talking really high stakes here. So it's yeah. understandable why a man would choose to hide. It just always comes back one way or another. That's the problem. And yeah. it is better to confess and to really own it than it is to be found out. That's really what it boils down to. So yeah. um, I totally agree, man. And let me just add something because we've been talking a lot about this on my podcast and with some of my guests mm -hmm. about this whole generational thing, you know, because it is every father's desire to, to be the last one, you know, right. like yeah. to not pass it on to his kids. And I think, I think we all have that intent. We all have that just innately, you know, like long before I was even married, I was, I was praying about this. Like, God, how do I stop this now so right. that I'm the last one? I don't want my kids or my grandkids or anybody else to struggle with it. Yeah. Um, even if the odds are stacked against us, I don't care. Like I, I want this to be the end. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I got this interesting revelation. It was one of those things where you, you kind of get a, an unction from God or you get a sense mm -hmm. of something and you just, you know that you know it's him. 
And what I heard was, what goes up must come down. Mm. And I, it was, it was kind of a, an out of left field statement, but I yeah. knew exactly what he meant. What he was saying was, if you were to look at a, a family tree, you look at your lineage, um, as it stood right now, or at that time, you know, I'm mm -hmm. single, um, there's no one beneath me. What goes up? The only way I can go right now is up. My parents yeah. and my grandparents. That's the only direction I can go. But what he was saying is, Sathya, if you sow into those relationships, mm -hmm. and if you really learn to have some of the, even have some of these dialogues, I've had some of these conversations with my dad. Mm -hmm. um, if you sow upwards and continue to foster relationship there, what goes up will eventually go down to your offspring, to your own kids. Mm. And so I, I made it my mission as, as part of my healing journey that I wanted to get a better, have a better relationship with my father and with my grandfather. And, you know, with my grandpa, it just meant when we hung out, I'd ask him about his childhood, about his upbringing, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just trying to foster that kind of connection. Um, because for me, I realized that a lot of what drove me to porn was a depravity of connection with, mm -hmm. uh, with my parents growing up. Um, and then, and then in other places, as I kind of got older and I knew that if I could resolve some of those things and, and even start to build back some connection in those areas that what goes up would eventually go down. And when I have kids, I don't have kids yet, but when I have kids mm -hmm. that I will have capacity to have meaningful relationship with them and hopefully reduce, if not eliminate their desire to look elsewhere to get their need for intimacy met. So yeah. I, I think the generational thing is a big, is a big topic. That's obviously just a little snippet, um, <laughs> but it's something I've really been jamming on lately, man. So I, yeah. I love that you brought that up. Yeah. Well, for those that are listening, make sure that you go and check out his podcast as well. Um, his his information will be in the description below where you can go to his website, follow him on his social media feeds uh, so that you can be able to also be a part of that conversation. I am personally a generational person. I, I the context of what we do now and how that's going to impact later um, is very important. Um, and I think, you know, sometimes we look at only, you know, the decisions of your finance or just your, you know, trying to make sure you have the best job or, you know, how, where you're living or the cars that you have, like those things. But these other pieces are as important, you know, your 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 open that open line of communication, um, you know, having that direct form, like you said, fulfilling the contexts of intimacy. And, and I think sometimes we think that intimacy is only the sexual aspect of it. Uh, so when we say, oh man, I feel like I'm missing out or, you know, there's a disconnect sexually or, you know, in this intimate thing, we only think, okay, the only way I fulfill this is by having the, the sexual part. Let me go find a sexual partner so I can satisfy this or let me jump into, in our context of conversation, let me dive into the pornography. But the broad sense of it is it's not, that's not the only thing that fulfills you intimately. Yeah. Um, and so I think when we do, like you said, do uh, start pouring into those above us, it can be something that then becomes a ripple effect and is a constant process of then the next generation after you will follow the pattern that they're seeing before you. And so, yeah. again, like you said, uh, generationally wise, yes, I don't know a man or a person that does not want. OK, let me be the last. Let me be the last person to struggle with this, you know, from pornography to being, you know, financially unstable to, you know, the, the history of divorce or, you know, whatever that might be. I don't know a person that doesn't want it. But again, like you're stating, for us to get it specifically in this context, we need to start building up. 
Uh, we need to start be building up at this point of your life. Now, I know I'm hearing some a man that's probably older that's been dealing with this same struggle for years um, yeah. and might be feeling like, is it too late for me? Yeah. Um, what would you say to that man? Yeah, I would say absolutely not. I, I have a gentleman who I just started working with. He is I think he's in his 60s mm. and he's married. He's got adult daughters um, wow. and he he is like. He's like, this thing has to go. And I, when, when we got on the call, you know, I, I do free calls with anybody who, who wants to get on the phone and is interested in my programs. And when we got on the call, I just said, man, kudos to you. Cause it takes real guts, you know, at that stage in life to, to reach out and to do something about it. So I think it's all the more noble, the further along you are in life to reach out and get help. And, um, the, the science, both science and scripture are very clear it doesn't matter your age, doesn't matter your stage of life. God has a plan for you. Um, his standards are the same. And there's no reason that you cannot make a change in your life today. It doesn't matter what your situation is. Um, so yeah, somebody who's older, uh, further along, knows way more about life than, than I do. Um, yeah, you can you can get free. I, I, I know that. I've seen it. And I'm very, very confident. I, like I said, everything points to that. And, and we see that happen in our program. So yes, absolutely. It doesn't matter what age or stage. So for those that are listening, I want you to under hear that very clearly. It does not matter your age. Um, we, we, it does not matter your age. It does not matter how long you've been in it. It does not matter if you've been doing it for years or you just feel like you just started a couple months ago. Um, no matter what, you can we can all have this moment of where we can get the healing and the help that we need. Um, and so for those that are on and that are listening and that feel like you are in this position, make sure that you reach out to Cynthia and his team and they will be able to be the help that you need to overcome. Um, I, I don't want you to continue in this way of life, knowing surely now with this understanding, I always believe this and will always believe it. There's no accident of any conversation. There's no accident that God does not take advantage of those moments. And I believe that when that we are also responsible for the conversations or the things that we hear. And so now that you know that there is a help for you, it would be crazy for you to constantly stay in the position that you're in. Um, I know for me, when when I was, I'll, I'll say, coming out of or you know dealing with mine, I know for me, I remember I had went some time before I had you know was watching something again or whatever, and in that process of you know of going through, I was like. Ah, you no, know, no, nah, man, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to beat it. I'm, I'm going to do this thing by myself. I can make it through, um, yeah. you know, but I realized, no, this is, this is, might be a battle that I started by myself, but I can't win it alone. Hmm. And so I understand because of that, I needed some assistance. I need some help. Um, yeah. So for that man that you feel like I've opened the door by myself and I'm going to deal with it by my, no, don't struggle with it any longer. You have help right here today. Um, so again, thank you, sir. I, I'm, I'm thankful for this conversation. I really could continue deeping, diving deep into this. Um, but I want to ask a question before we shift off is, is in your, not per se, just the program, but just in, in life. How do men, after they have overcome it, 
after they've dealt with their the, the, the steps, how do they live it? Like how hey. do they stay in that posture of where, okay, I'm not going back, period. Like we're not going, we're not visiting that door no more. How do we get to that point? Yeah, really good question. So there's there's two primary things. Number one, I believe that um, man is the sum of his habits. Mm. Man is the sum of his habits. So we're pretty big on that. Um, nothing over the top, but we really talk a lot about having rhythms in your life, rhythms that sort of act as a safeguard uh, to keep you emotionally connected, keep you spiritually healthy, and just to keep you strong and really um, aware, really self-aware of what's going on. So that's mm-hmm. a huge part of it. Um, we, we emphasize journaling a lot. So um, I can't go into a podcast interview without talking about it a little bit. But I would say regular journaling, man, that's a huge part of what we encourage for guys to stay free. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best ways to cultivate self-awareness and to maintain self-awareness long term. Um, and then the other thing that we do, so we we don't do accountability systems within our program. Instead, what, what we have people do is we have them form accountability relationships with pre-existing friends. And the mm. reason we do that is we try to capitalize on the relational equity that already exists before you even come into the program. Because if you were already really good friends before the program, you have a much better chance of staying friends afterwards. We really do try to play the long game there. Yeah. And what we see is that when people finish the programs, those who continue to stay in regular contact with, we call them their spotters. Like, you know, the guy at the gym who gives you a little lift at the yeah, bench. Yeah. <laughs> so we call them spotters. So the people who keep in touch with their spotters, uh, they have a lot more long-term success to stay free simply because you have that safe outlet. Um, yeah. Like you said, you you have a, a weapon against that loneliness that tries to creep in and that sort of isolating tendency. Yeah. And you have you just have another sounding board, and it it it's helpful to troubleshoot. It's helpful to just be validated, um, and it's helpful to know that you're not alone in this in this battle or in this journey. So um, those would be two of the practices: that regular journaling and then regular interaction with your spotter. Uh, we find those to be two really useful practices for long term sustenance of freedom. Okay. Now uh, let me ask this real quick. Can now you now you intrigued me? But um, <laughs> when it comes to reference specifically with the journaling aspect, yeah. Um, one f- for I know for me and probably I'm guessing you know other men as well, being able to write down how I feel. I'm guessing that's the context of, you know, yeah. writing down how I feel at the moment or, you know, what my thoughts is. That's a struggle. You know, that's oh, for a struggle. Sure. So how yeah. do how do we get to that first just breaking that first mindset of, you know, all right, you want me to write down my thoughts and my feelings? I, I'm not supposed to express that. Like, how, how do you want me to start that process? Yeah, yeah. Okay, let me let me give a little bit of context just to kind of frame it. Let's okay. say you, you have a really stressful day at work. Okay, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of the norm for you, but it's a stressful day nonetheless. There's deadlines, um, projects are backlogged, and you know, your boss got mad at you or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you feel stressed and you're feeling bad about just about, about yourself and feeling like I'm not gonna be able to meet meet these deadlines, and that's really stressful. Mm-hmm. You go home. And, you know, the wife has been just trying to keep the kids under wraps, but it's been an absolutely crazy day. And you were hoping that the home would be a little bit more comforting, a bit more secure. But it turns out it's just as much of a gong show there as it was at work. Right. And so um, eventually, you know, uh, you get the kids fed, you get them showered, cleaned up, you put them to bed. And you know that there's probably 100 things that you should do, but you end up just watching TV for a little bit. Your wife's cleaning up, uh, doing whatever. She's doing her own thing. 
And, um, and at the end, she comes in and she says, hey, um, I'm going to go to bed. Do you want to come join me? And you think, ah, I'm going to stay up, watch this for a little bit. And, um, you know, one thing leads to another and you end up watching porn. Mm. So the, the problem is we, we tend to isolate that little incident like, oh, um, in that example, the guy shouldn't have stayed up so late. He shouldn't have uh, watched TV or whatever it is. No, right. that's not true at all. The guy should have developed a better coping mechanism for stress. Mm. That's how you nip it in the bud. So there, somehow in your process, you have to develop a, a regular system, a regular mental system that allows you to nip things in the bud before they eventually evolve into a slip. And the wow. best way, the most effective way that I know to do this is journaling. Because journaling engages that muscle of what am I thinking about? What is causing me to feel stress? And yes, what am I feeling as well? Right. But it, it's not meant to be super touchy-feely. It can be if, if that's more your bend, that's fine. I work with some guys that are very sensitive mm -hmm. and find journaling really helpful for those reasons. And I, I work with other guys who don't even really have the, the first clue. So we help them get in touch. But But it's much more about developing the self-awareness, just understanding your motives, understanding your patterns, and trying to get as preventative as possible so that you nip those sequences in the bud before they develop into something worse. So that's where the real value mm -hmm. of journaling is. And you can start, like it costs you less than five bucks, just go get a little ugly notebook from the dollar store <laughs> and, and just start writing. And, yeah. and that's all we teach. There, there's nothing complicated about it, but you just gotta start writing we do guide you through a little bit how to really make it the most effective, but um, but that's all it takes is it's a safe, um, non-judgmental outlet. Uh, you don't have to share your journal with anybody, and that's kind of the beauty of it as well. It's a really safe way to start mm -hmm. if you're not ready to reach out to somebody else. Um, but the, the real value of it, like I said, is the self-awareness that you cultivate in the process. Well, that that that's going to be helpful uh, yeah. because I, I think, you know, trying like you said getting into that routine um of of really your thought process and all of those pieces I, I think is helpful for any person and so hearing it that way i think i can journal um yeah. you know <laughs> i think i think we can start that process um of just journal because again it's not again like you said it's not per se let me dive deep into my feelings per se unless again like you said unless that's that's your thing and that's easier for you um, sure. But it's also it's, it's that aspect of really just being able to get the thought process down. What yeah. are you thinking? How are you feeling at this present moment and how we can be able to change that? Um, yeah. You know, and so I think I think that that that's that's very helpful and very uh, skillful. I'll say it that way and something practical, not not complicated. You know, that's very, very practical. So, again, thank you so much, sir. Uh, for coming on. Thank you so much for helping. And for any man, please hear my heart. Any person, any man that is struggling with this, this is your help. This I'm, I'm, I brought him on so that you can have your help. So you don't have to be like, I don't know how I can get out of this. I don't, yeah. you know, I don't know what I need to do first. This is the assistance that you need. So um, I do believe, and, I, and I'm, I'm asking you this, this is, uh, it's a private context. So when I, when a man does reach out to you, it's not going to be, it's not a worldwide conversation. 
No, uh, so it's very discreet, very intimate in that aspect. So you don't have to worry about, hey, man, if I call, you know, is the world going? No, no. It's very, in, very discreet conversation because this is I believe that this is a very sensitive issue um, that any man that is struggling with this. So please, again, reach out the description. Um, information is in the description below so that we can be able to get that assistance. Um, is there anything specific in reference to that they would need to start off to just to be able to get into uh, your program? Um, all they have to do is just go to my website. I know you've been putting it up there. Yeah. Um, you go to my website and if, if you really feel like you're ready to make a change in your life and turn things around, um, you can just uh, follow the, the prompts for coaching. Uh, you'll get an opportunity to, to book a free strategy session and we can take it from there. Uh, and for people who maybe aren't quite at that place, but just want to learn more, I do have a podcast. It's called the New Man Podcast. And I have a weekly newsletter as well. Uh, where I send out regular insights and inspiration. And um, and so you can sign up for, for that as well. It's all on my website, sathiasam.com. Yes, sir. All right. All right. So um, as I stated before, and I told you this before we started, um, I'm going to ask you a question that I ask everybody that I interview. And yeah. the, uh, the question is, what is greatness to you? Oh, man, I love it. Um, okay, greatness to me is being your truest self. Mm. And, and it, it's, it's a bit of a vague answer. So I do apologize for that. <laughs> but I think there's so much pressure on the world to keep up with uh, the Joneses. There's pressure to fit into a certain career pattern um, yeah. to achieve a certain degree of success. And I think all of that stuff is great. And I think it really actually only works for a small fraction of people. Mm. And I think greatness is discovering what what truly motivates you, what God truly made you for and why he put you on this planet, and then having an actionable plan or an idea of what it looks like for you to accomplish it. To me, that's greatness. And for some people, it does mean that they're going to be public. It means they're going to they're gonna touch the masses, and that's fantastic. And for some people, it means they stay hidden their entire life. They humbly go about their business. And to me, they're equally as great as yeah. long as they're being true to themselves. I love that. I love that. I really love that answer. Thank you so much. Um, no matter what your level is, just be you. And uh, and so I love that. Be the greatest you can possibly be. And so thank you again, sir, for being a part again for all those that are listening. Um, make sure that you follow him. Make sure you go check out his podcast um, and be a part of uh, be a part of all that is in this beautiful world that he that he has created. And God allowed him to be able to open up for all and get the help and the assistance that we need so we can be the best us. And so thank you again, sir, for coming on and being a part of today's conversation. And for those that are listening, make, make sure that you always remember that you can be able to be a part of these conversations every first and third Monday at 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. I love you all. Thank you so much again, sir. And we'll talk to y'all later. Bye-bye.